Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. That last song that we sang together, this is one of the phrases in it, which has to do with today's message. It says, In strength you reign forever. Let your church proclaim. The Lord Jesus reigns forever. Amen? He reigns not just over all the universe and all time forever, but he reigns each and every day. And today we'll talk about this understanding about the reign of Christ, how he reigns in our life and is to reign in our, in our lives each and every day. A few weeks ago, we focused in on verse 6 of chapter 4 of James. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, but in verse 6... We focused in where it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You remember that? God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That message was on pride from James. And last week we saw there was another message on pride. And then once again today, there's another message on pride. There's one thing about pride. It takes on many, many different, just, different faces. It approaches in different ways, and you have to be aware that God is opposed to the proud. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a problem with pride. Do you have a problem with pride? If you don't think you have a problem with pride, you already know, I already know you got a problem with pride. Amen? We all have problems with pride. Matter of fact, I can get so humble, I'm proud of it. What about you? Some days I can feel like, man, I'll tell you what, I'm real humble today. For I know it, I'm proud that I'm so humble. Pride is something that we have to deal with, and as I said, it takes on different forms. The first thing we saw is that pride can cause us to be boastful and brag, look down our nose at somebody and have the wrong view of ourselves and wrong view of somebody else. It affects the way we see, and remember, God says he hates that pride. He hates that that changes us and makes us view things unlike the way he views it. Then the the second thing we saw last week is is that Pride can make us defensive. It makes us defensive so that when somebody would say something against us or we don't get our way or we don't have our way, we're going to be opposed to that and we'll find ourselves speaking out against our brother and saying things we shouldn't say. And God convicts us about the fact that that's another face of pride, another way we respond with pride in our heart. I want you to look at these verses that we're going to look at today because here's another face of pride found in verse 13. To the end of that chapter, listen to what it says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we shall go to such and such a place and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead... You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast, there's that pride, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, To him it is sin. I hope you leave your Bibles open as we look at these verses today as we see another face of pride. 
How can pride be worked out in your life? How can pride be revealed in your life? Well, one of the things that God wants us to understand is this. You need to write this down in your notes. Life is a gift. You need to write that down. Life is a gift. Every day that you have, it is what God has granted to you. Our merciful, gracious, kind Lord gives to us each day we have. And the only way that we enjoy this day, the only way we see a new morning, the only way that we can live through this day is the fact that the Lord God has granted to us that we have this gift, that God has given to us this gift. Now, humility of heart says we acknowledge that this day is a gift and I'm going to live it as unto the Lord. And I'm going to do what that song, that last verse is on. I'm going to let him reign, not just over the world. I'm going to let him reign in my heart today. I'm going to let him be involved in my life today. Because the only way that I'm here is the fact that he grants it to me that I'm here and he's given to me this gift. That's the spirit of humility. That's what we're supposed to be doing and saying before Almighty God, God, today is a precious day and today is a gift of life and I rejoice in it. But the warning of James is we better be careful because sometimes we don't live that way. Sometimes we live presumptuously. Presumptuously, what does that mean? Well, that presumes something. And, and if we're not careful, we presume that today is just a day, and we presume that tomorrow will be there, and next week will be there, and a year from now it'll be there, and we just presume that all of life is going to happen like it got set in motion, it's going to happen, and it just takes place that way, and we fail to acknowledge that today's a gift, and if I see tomorrow, it is a gift, and therefore pride creeps into our heart. Pride is there within our spirit. We become presumptuous. And presumption, presumption is a sin. Let me show you something here. Hold your hand here in, in James and turn back to the book of Deuteronomy. Why don't you see something in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. Did you know that presumption is a sin to live presumptuously? Listen to what it says. And the man who acts presumptuously, that's Deuteronomy 17, 12. The man who acts presumptuously... By not listening to the priest who stands there to serve the Lord your God. In other words, this person just lives irregardless of what the priest might say and what the word of God might say and what the word of God would have for them that day. They live presumptuously. They do not listen to the priest who serve the Lord your God, nor to the judge that the man shall die. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. That's a sin. It's an evil to live presumptuously. He goes on 13. Then all the people will hear and be afraid and will not act presumptuously again. God said there's a sin, a presumption, to just presume something. I want you to hear what the psalmist said in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 13. Listen to what his prayer was about this sin of presumption. Also, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgressions. He said, it is a great transgression if we live presumptuously before God. That's what James is talking about. 
He is warning us as children of God not to live presumptuously. He's warning us as children of God not to have pride in our heart in regard to who we are today and what we'll have tomorrow, but rather to remember and to live in such a way that we realize today is a gift and we'll live it to the fullest. And if God gives me tomorrow, then that is a gift from God and I'm appreciative of whatever God would give. But I don't deserve anything and and I cannot assume or presume that I will have anything. That's the way God wants us to live, with a humble heart rather than that arrogant spirit. Right? And that's what James is totally, absolutely talking about. And it seems so innocent, but it is presumption. Let me show you. He, first of all, warns us about our normal responses and attitude about life. That's found there in verse number 13. Listen to what he says. Come now, you who say. Listen to what, listen to what we say. This is what we say. Today or tomorrow... We shall go to such and such a place and spend a year there, and we will engage in business and make a profit. Now, that sounds pretty innocent, doesn't it? I mean, you would hear people say that all the time. You'd hear people say, well, we're going to go here tomorrow. We're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to do that and that and have this and all. That sounds, that sounds just innocent as could be because everybody does it. But James warns against it. He says, if we live like that, we're living presumptuously. If if we live like that, we're living in sin. Oh, yeah, he did call that sin. Don't don't miss that. Look look down there in verse uh, 16. It says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil or a way of saying sin. That seems so innocent, but it's not because it's presuming on God and it's failing to realize that God gives us each day as a gift. You say, well, how is it presuming? I I don't understand. I'm glad you asked, all right? Let me show you something. I'm going to show you five presumptions in that one verse. Can you imagine that? Five presumptions in that one word. Go back to it, verse 13. Here it is. This is what you say, today or tomorrow. Okay, that's a presumption on time. Write it down. That's a presumption on time, that you have today and that what? That you will have tomorrow. That is presuming that you're going to have today, the rest of the day, and you are going to have tomorrow. You are not guaranteed the rest of this day, and you are certainly not guaranteed tomorrow. You understand that? I mean, you are only given the breath in your body right now. And we know and we've learned as we have been in relationship with people that we love and care about that it doesn't take but that long for them to be no longer here in this world. Isn't that true? Our fellowship had the reality of that back in December when a beloved staff member departed from us over a second of time. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you are given this day. And you cannot presume on the remainder of the day and you cannot presume on tomorrow. So realize it is a gift from God. Presumption of time. Look what it says else there in verse 13. We shall go to such and such a city. That's a presumption of place. We're presuming that we're going to go to a certain place, that we're going to arrive in a certain place, such and such a city where that might be. That is a presumption not only of time, a presumption of place. Look what else it's a presumption of. It goes on, verse 13. And we shall spend a year there. That is a presumption of duration. How long am I going to be there? I'm going to stay there a whole year. Oh, really? (laughs) You don't even know if you're going to make out the day. 
You don't even know if you're going to have next tomorrow. You certainly don't know if you're going to have next week. But you think that you're going to have a, a whole year that you're going to spend there? It is presumption of duration. See those three presumptions? That's not all, though. Look at verse 13 again. Here it is. And there we will get engage in business. It's a presumption of activity. We're not only going where we're going to be and how long we're going to stay there. We're going to tell you what we're going to do when we get there. We're going to engage in our activities. We're going to do all these things, and we're going to be about this, and this is what our job's going to be, and this is what, how we're going to make our money. We're, we're just presuming out there the whole time that we are going to do all these things. That's four of them, but that's not all. Look at the last one there. It's in verse 13. It says that we're going to engage in business. Here it is. And we're going to what? Make a profit. We are presuming rewards. We are presuming rewards. So in that one statement, as a child of God, now that lost person out there, they can do whatever they choose to do and however they want to, but they don't have a relationship with God. But for children of God, remember this book is written to the children of God. To children of God, we're supposed to live differently, amen? We're supposed to be different. You know why we're supposed to be different? Because we have the Lord Jesus who reigns over our life, and we realize he's the giver of life. He's the creator of all things, the redeemer of my heart. And I realize that every day that I have is a gift from him. And if I have tomorrow, it's a gift from him. So I will not presume on anything. I'm not going to presume on time. I'm not going to presume on place. I'm not going to presume on duration. I'm not going to presume on activity. I'm not going to presume on reward. I'm not going to do it. But rather, I'm going to live in relationship to him. In relationship to him. You might say, well, Brother Mike, why, why is that seemingly so important? Why does that matter to God? Because it lets you know something about God that's very important, okay? Listen to me. Focus in on this. It lets you know about God that God is interested in every aspect of your life. That's a wonderful thing. We are not like deists. Deism believes that God created this world. Yes, he created the world. He set it in motion. He started it revolving around the sun and rotating on its axis and backed up from it to see what would happen. And never involves himself in anything else. It's just going to take place. That's not the God we serve. Amen? The God we serve is a God who is active a God who is interested in everything we do, everything we say. And it does matter what we say to God. For what we say to God signifies a relationship that we have with him and also carries out how our actions are about that. And God wants us to realize in our lives and proclaim through our activities and our words that he is Lord and that he rules and he reigns, not me. And then I appreciate whatever he does for me, and I gather that he does that for me, and I'm so thankful. That's what he wants of us. That's what he wants of us. The reason that to be presumptuous and the reason that that statement would be sinful is that it is an evil statement in the fact that it's just, it does not present God the way God is. It doesn't present the fact that God does care about us and does want to be involved in our life. And when you go about presenting God in a way that God is not, that's an evil thing. And if we were to boast and to brag and to act and be presumptuous, we're not presenting a good picture, a correct picture of the Lord God. Amen? That's true. Now, let me show you something interesting. He says, 
in verse 14. Verse 14, he just wants to bring us to reality. He wants us to help us to understand how important we are. It's important, all right? Listen to what he says. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Do any of you know what your life's going to be like tomorrow? Do you know? None of us know. All it takes is one phone call to drastically change the direction of your life forever. All it takes is one diagnosis for it to change the very pattern of what your life is going to be. All it takes is one financial crunch that you weren't expecting to totally dismantle what you had set in motion. You have no idea what tomorrow is going to hold for you, but thank God you do have the opportunity of knowing who holds tomorrow. Amen? But you need to remember that. So he says this, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Now, you want to know how important you are? How significant we are in determining the future? Listen to what it says. Here it says, you are like a vapor who appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Y'all feeling good today? You're feeling important today? You know what James says? You're just a vapor. Now, now do you know, you know what a vapor is? Go home and read it. Look it up in the dictionary. You know what a vapor A vapor is a solid portion of a gaseous state. You see steam... And the vapor is that which you see of the steam. Or fog, you see that the vapor is that which is a solid portion of that which is a gaseous state. And it is here for a moment and it is gone. If you want to know how important you are and how significant you are and how much you rule your life and how much you dictate what's going to happen and your control of everything, James says, just remember you are nothing but a vapor. You're a vapor. And it says that it's here for just a moment. Isn't that true? I mean, let's let's face it. If you live to be 70 years of age, that's what God would grant for us. Or if you live to be 80 or 90, that's the gravy on top of what God granted to us. However many years you live, if you touch 100, that's still only a very short time compared to eternity. Amen? Amen. That is a short period of time compared to eternity. And it's not just a short period of time compared to eternity. It's just a short period of time. I'm here to tell you, I'm at the age I thought I would never get here. And I got here a lot faster than I realized. Yesterday, my oldest son and I were talking, and I told him how old I was. And I said, I can't believe I'm that old. I really can't. I mean, where did those years go? And I'm sure if I get to 85 or 90, I'm going to feel the same way. Where did those years go? It seems as though you blink and life passes you by. It is just a moment of time. Isn't that true? So we are a vapor that is just a small moment of time. And then what? Then we vanish away. Now, if you don't think we vanish away, just go visit a cemetery. We do vanish away, don't we? Certainly do. From this world, I thank God, the God we serve, 
we have an eternal home. He made us eternal beings, and we're going to get to be with him forever. And one day it's going to take us up out of that grave and have a glorified body. And all that's great and wonderful. But as far as this world is concerned, as far as this life and how long you live, we will vanish away. One of the things I like to do is to go into cemeteries, and I like to find the oldest graves. I mean, I like to walk around and see and see what they write on their headstones and all this kind of But cemeteries are everywhere. And they're filled and getting fuller all the time. Amen? And that is a testimony that we vanish away. And if you want to know how important you are, and I know some of us feel like we're really important. If you want to know how important you are, about 10 years after you die, nobody will remember who you are except that few people who might have known you. It won't be your great-grandchildren. They won't have a clue who you were. won't even know who your name is. Oh, you have a genealogy family. I got you. They'll know you on the genealogy, but they won't know who you are. They won't know what you do. I mean, the only people that we ever remember a long time are the really, really good and the really, really bad. Don't be the really, really bad. Try to be the really, really good, but most of us are just sitting here in the middle. And we're not remembered except for that headstone till Jesus comes. Amen. The truth of the matter, what James says is right. We're just a vapor, and we're here for a really short period of time, and then we're going to vanish away. That's who we are. That's the truth. That's the correct thought of who we are. So when we have that in our heart and mind, we ought to realize, well, Lord, if that's who I am and, and you gave me this life, then I ought to live totally and absolutely in relationship to you and not presumptuously. So he tells us how we ought to live. Look what he says there in verse 15. Instead, instead, you ought to say, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live also and also do this or that. I love that statement. He said, now this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will, now notice what he says, we shall live. You know what? Live takes, takes into account those five presumptions. He says live, that means it takes in time and takes in duration, doesn't it? If the Lord wills, we will have time. If the Lord wills, we will have so much time. And we will be there at this time. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will have this time. And if the Lord wills, we will also do this or that. I love that. Do this or that. What is the this or that? It's the other presumptions. If the this or that is, I'll be in that place. If the Lord wills, I will be in that place. If the Lord wills, I will carry out that activity. If the Lord wills, I will receive that reward. Those two statements take into and encompass all of those presumption and said, live like this. If the Lord wills and he gives me that time, and if the Lord wills and I will do this or that, I'm not presuming anything. I'm trusting in him for time, for duration, for activity, for reward, for place. I'm trusting in him if he so wills. Now, does that, mean that, that, does that mean that you're supposed to attach that before you say anything about the future? I'm not really certain if that's what it means, but I do it anyway. <laughs> People say, well, are, are you going to be here next week? And I well, if the Lord wills. 
if the Lord wills, because I don't know if he's going to will that or not, that we'd be there. We, we sure want to if the Lord wills. But whether it comes out of your mouth, it needs to be in your heart. You need to understand it within your spirit. That whatever I say about time, duration, place, activity, or reward, whatever I say about life, it's totally under the leadership and lordship of Jesus. He is the one who determines that. He is the one who rewards that. He is the one, and I want to live that way in relationship to him. And that's what James says. Man, you need to live that way in relationship to the Lord. You say, why is that so important to James? Because James wants us to have the right relationship with the Lord, but he also wants us to present the right relationship to others. When other people are out there and they're presuming what they're going to do and and all these other things, we as children of God, we say, well, if the Lord wills because he's Lord over everything and he's the one who determines that, and I'm going to let everybody know that my life that I have is a gift from God and I'm going to live in relationship to him if he so wills. And I'm going to point people to that. I'm going to point people to that. Just keep pointing people to that. For see, for me to live without that attitude is to presume something, and that's pride, and it's boastful, and it's arrogant, and it's evil, and it doesn't present the right relationship that I have and the right picture of who my God is. That he's involved and active in everything I do, and he cares about everything I do as well as everything I say. Everything I say. Well, he closes out this particular section of this book about pride, and especially about this, by giving us a new rule and a new definition of sin. A new definition of sin. That's what it says in verse 17. Here it is. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Do you, realize that, do you realize that that is a new definition for sin? Do you, do you know how most of us have always pictured sin? Do you know how we picture that? That, that sin is this, that we, we do the wrong thing. Isn't that it? I mean, that, that's what it is. It, it's, it's the rule of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do, sin is not is doing the wrong thing. In other words, if it says, thou shalt not lie. If I lie, I've done the wrong thing. Thou shalt not steal. If I take something that's not mine, I have stolen. So therefore, when people emphasize that and they keep talking about the Ten Commandments, this is what people think about the Christian faith. Well, all the Christian faith is is a rule of don'ts. It's, it's just a whole list of don'ts. You can't, you can't do anything and, and be a Christian. You can't do anything and have, you know, that's not true, my friend. It's not true. It, it, Christianity is not a bunch of don'ts. Really, Christianity is a bunch of do's. <laughs> what Jesus told us to do is not to, to keep from doing the don'ts, is to do the right thing. If you're busy doing the right thing, you don't have time to do the wrong thing, right? And our problem is we get caught up in the wrong things because we're not doing the right things and not staying busy enough doing the right things. Therefore, we get caught up in the wrong things. Did y'all get that or is that too early for y'all? And, and therefore, we always define sin as, 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 as when I'm doing the wrong thing. When, when I'm doing the wrong thing. If, I, if there's somebody doing the wrong thing. And, and we, we sit around and we, we think, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to stay in bed today. 
I'm going to stay in bed today so that one day in my life I will not do the wrong thing. I, I'm going to just stay. Well, that doesn't help any because James just redefines sin for us. He just redefines sin for us. Let, let me say, remember, we think sin is, is me doing the wrong thing. And James comes along and he says this. Here's sin. This is sin. Listen. To him who knows the right thing to do. To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it. To him it is sin. Wow. Did you hear that? Now, no, sin is not me just doing the wrong thing. But sin is for me to fail to do the right thing that I know I'm supposed to do. There are things I'm supposed to be doing. There's ways I'm supposed to be living. There's something that God would have me do this day. And for me to fail to do that, I know that I'm supposed to do it. I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's what God wants me to do. But for me to fail to do that, that is sin. It's called the sin of omission. Not the sin of commission. We are committing sins when we're doing things we're not supposed to do. And we're also having sins of omission when we're failing to do the thing that we know is right and that we should be doing. So, whenever I decide I'm going to stay in bed and I'm not going to commit sin today because I'm not going to do anything that's bad, I'm sinning because I'm laying in the bed instead of getting up and doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Amen? It totally changes the aspect of sin. And it it helps us to see the picture of what the Christian faith is. The Christian faith is not primarily the don'ts. The Christian faith is primarily the do's. This is what Jesus said to do. This is how Jesus said to live. And if I know in my heart, if I know in my heart that I should be doing that, I understand in my spirit this is what God would call me to do and has commanded me to do, but I do not do that, then that is sin. That is sin. And James applies that back to these verses when he says, listen, if you know that it's the right thing to do, that you would live in relationship to the will of God, And present the testimony that you will do whatever you do and you will have that time whenever God grants it and it's all according to the Lord's will. If that's the right thing to do, do it. If it's the right thing to do, do it. For you to fail to do that is sin. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad this section is coming to a close. I've been whipped about pride for three or four weeks now. What about you? But boy, it can take a different form, a different shape, a different look. But it all comes back to that old sinful pride in our heart, in our life. As I told you before, I wish when we got saved that pride would have been taken care of. Amen? I wish that old sin nature had been eradicated. We didn't have that anymore, but that's not going to happen until glory comes. It's going to be great when glory comes. It's going to be great whenever Jesus comes again and he makes us like him. I told somebody it's going to take me a thousand years just to get used to not sinning. 
I'm serious. I don't know what that's like to have a life that you live where you don't sin and you have perfect fellowship with God. But what we're to do now is to strive to live as righteously as we can and godly as we can, realizing that old pride will jump up, take different forms and different shapes. And it's funny, whenever, whenever somebody else has it, we can identify it in a second, can't we? Man, that old prideful, I see that pride. I see that pride. But we don't near about see it as easily in us because it takes on different forms, different shapes, different faces, but still sin. We got to confess it, make it right. And as James says, live realizing gift of life. It's a gift. And never presume that you have the rest of the day or tomorrow, but let him be Lord over it all. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.